All right, if you would please turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7 says, By faith Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, we continue in this series, Living by Faith. And this morning, we're going to look for a few minutes at the life of Noah, the heir of righteousness. His story is recorded in Genesis chapter 6, and we're not going to take time to read through all of that, but we will reference it as we get going. And of course, a reminder, this particular chapter, the great faith chapter in the New Testament. Verses 1, 2, and 3 speak of the excellence of faith. Verses 4 through 31 speak of the examples of faith. And verses 32 through 40 speak of the epilogue of faith or the conclusion of faith. And here the writer is introducing now several individuals who demonstrated great faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the lesson that we can learn from each is evident here in this passage of scripture. So we see Noah stands for uh, as a great example in believing God and believing God's warning of coming judgment. His faith was both reverent and rewarded. By way of introduction, notice two points quickly about Noah's faith. First of all, there was a time in our world's history when the earth had become so wicked that it was filled with corruption and violence. The Bible tells us that the corruption was so great that the imagination of man's heart was only evil continually. That we see recorded in Genesis chapter 6 verses 5 through 7. And God saw the wickedness of man that was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that, they, that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it, it, excuse me, for it repenteth me that I have made them. Then down in verse 11, the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had, had be, uh, excuse me, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. It was a time of great wickedness, great violence. God, as a result of that, said, I'm going to put an end to it. Noah lived in that day and time. Another thing to note about Noah is that even though he lived in a time what's described as one of the most worst in the history of our human race, is that Noah was a godly man who chose to live for the Lord no matter what was going on around him. Genesis 6, 8 says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Verses 13, 14, and 17 of Genesis tells us that Noah honored God in his life. And while he honored God, God warned Noah of coming judgment. And because... Noah lived for God. 
God chose to spare him and his family from the destruction to come. Genesis chapter 6 verse 18 says, But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee, and of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort shalt thou bring into the ark, to keep them alive with thee, they shall be male and female. Noah, like Adam, has the distinct privilege of being the father of every person alive in the world today. Now, Adam is the father of the entire human race. Noah is the father of the human race following the flaw. Everyone born into the world since that time is a descendant of Noah. And we all have we all have the privilege of being alive today as a result of this man choosing to live a godly life in the midst of great iniquity. Noah's reward was threefold. We're going to spend time looking at that this morning in light of the, the subject of faith, living by faith. We're not going to get into the ark and the, the, the building of it and the size of it and all of that. That's for another time. What we're interested in this morning is looking at this threefold reward that Noah received as a result of living by faith. And by the way, uh, these are rewards that we as well can obtain as we live by faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. Again, by faith Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. The first reward we see here is the salvation of those in his house. Noah believed God and God saved him. But everyone around Noah and his immediate family were blessed because of Noah's faith. Noah lived for God. He loved the Lord and he chose to be the example to his wife and his sons that he needed to be in order to lead them as well to live a godly life. And what's interesting is you think that his sons married young ladies that were there alive at that time as well. Do you think, how, think about how their fathers might have felt about this? Let's face it, Noah was not the most popular person on the block. We know the story how that God told Noah to build an ark. And he did exactly that. His three sons helped him in this project. But think about those gals that married his three sons. They married into the nuttiest family on the block in the eyes of everyone else. But it didn't matter in that these three women married these three sons. And with Noah and Noah's wife chose as a family to live for God. There must have been a great stigma attached to their reputation. However, Noah 
did right in caring for his family in spite of what was going on in the world today. And may I say that we can follow that example as God's children and make sure that our household is right, that we do right, that we live for God, that we honor him, that we obey him, and that we seek to be pleasing in all that we do because we can't change those people who live outside our own home. We're not responsible for them. We're not accountable to them, but we have the responsibility of being a witness and testimony before them. And that's what Noah did. That's what we as well should do. Noah, along the way, learned the importance of teaching his family the importance of following the word of God. And by the way, this was a demand that God placed upon the nation of Israel and it is an expectation that God places upon us as New Testament believers. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 6 says, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And that passage continues, and it is what, the, excuse me, it is what, the, the Jews refer to as the Shema, the instruction of God to the families of the nation of Israel, the responsibilities placed upon the head of the home. Noah's faith had a huge impact on his family. Acts 16.31 says, And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house There is no greater joy aside from our own redemption than to know that our family members are saved and safe in the fold of God. 1 Timothy 5, 8 says, But if a man provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. I believe that carries more weight than just talking about economic provision, but as well, spiritual guidance it is the responsibility of the head of the home to be the leader in that home and that's not a chauvinistic anti-feminist position at all that is simply what God's word says about the order of authority and responsibility in the home it is a man's responsibility to be the spiritual leader in his home if there's no man in the household then, of course, that responsibility falls upon the woman. But each of us, each of us have a responsibility to walk with God. But in regard to the home, Noah understood that as the head of the home, he had to lead his family in the right direction. His first reward was that his family obtained a salvation. His second reward, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, is the condemnation of the world. So he prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world. Noah stood fast for God despite the mockery that he experienced by those around him. Now I realize it's speculation, but think about this for a moment. Noah was far inland, miles away from the ocean, and there were oceans at that time because God parted the waters from the dry land and uh, we note that Noah (laughs) just wasn't anywhere near water and for him to build a boat out in the middle of nowhere 
no doubt caused people to mock him and ridicule him and make fun of him. And imagine if this took place today. CNN, MSNBC, USA Today, the New York Times, the Post, the Tribune, the Herald. Everybody would be there reporting on this wacko that's decided to build a boat out in the middle of nowhere bigger than anything that had ever been constructed in that day. It was as big as a cruise liner uh, that was in existence today. This thing was huge. And they're thinking, how is this nutcase expect, going to expect to get this boat from here to the water? And they all mocked him and made fun of him. And he said, well, I'll tell you what I'm doing. He said, God told me to build this, and I'm doing it according to his specifications, and I'm doing it because God said he's going to destroy the world. <laughs> oh, Noah, you're an idiot. Noah, you've got to be crazy. Noah, you've got more time on your hands than you really need. And it's more than it's healthy for you. What in the world do you think you're doing? You expect us to believe that nonsense? For 120 years, he built and he preached and he prepared and he prayed and he did that which was right. You know, a lot of us today, we can't go 120 days doing things that uh, are uh, against uh, the mainstream of society. People are just in a panic today if they're not making everyone happy. Our goal as believers is not to make the world happy. Our goal as believers is to do right and be a witness for the Lord. Who is it? Um, Someone has said a world that lives by science and technology is tempted to trust in nothing beyond itself. Science and technology tend to draw and focus all attention upon the world uh, of sense and feeling, of comfort and pleasure, of possessions and self. Therefore, the idea of God and of coming judgment is ignored. And if anyone preaches it, he is ridiculed, mocked, scorned, and often abused. We must be faithful to God, for God is. God does exist, and God is going to judge the world. On that day, when it began to rain, and the heavens released their waters in such a way that man had never seen before, and the water level began to rise, and people began to be fearful, and all of a sudden, people in their panic said, he was right, but it was too late. Noah preached to these people repentance and coming judgment, but they rejected his message, and it cost them everything. In fact, we see that these people died and died without hope. But the fact that God did send judgment verified the truth of his word and also validated the truth of Noah's message. You know, beloved, no doubt, looking at the age of all of us here, we've been living for God for many years. No doubt you've told many, many, many people they need to trust Christ. They need to turn to the Lord. 
They need to look to him because judgment is coming. The Lord's going to return. God is going to judge this world. You need to trust Christ as Savior. You need to be born again. But how many have, have mocked and made fun of that message? How many have said, you foolish Christians, you've been saying since the days of the, of the New Testament that Jesus is coming again, and he hasn't. And their argument is because he has not, he will not. But I assure you, Jesus is coming again. Psalm 96, verse 13 says, Behold, Before the Lord, for he cometh, for he cometh to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with his truth. Hebrews 9, 27 says, It's appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. That's why we remind people of the importance of trusting in Christ. Once you die, it's too late to make any decisions. It's too late to make any choices. It's too late to change your mind because death leads to judgment. Born once, die twice. Born twice, die once. The fact that we are born again, we are free from that eternal death and condemnation being separated from the Lord. What a joy to know that we have the privilege we will one day enter the gates of glory and we will stand in the presence of the Lord and so shall we ever be with him. Second Peter 2.9 says, The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Second Peter 3.7, But the heavens of the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. He's coming again. We know. And when he does, it will validate our claims as Christians that people need to trust the Lord. We can't make them change their minds, but we can certainly be a faithful voice telling them of their need to trust in Christ as their Savior. Someone has said, in the light of goodness, evil stands condemned. All those people who mocked Noah all those years, they didn't know it, but they were condemned. Had, they only had to repent. They only had to enter the ark while the door was open. But once God shut the door too, it was done and it was too late. That is one reason I believe that uh, this premise that's uh, made popular through a series of, of uh, books here uh, in the past years, uh, that once the rapture takes place, people are going to recognize that Wow, Christians were right. They told us the Lord was going to come. They told us about the rapture. They told us about how they're going to be taken out. And there are going to be a group of people who recognize that and who will repent and be believers during the days of the tribulation. I disagree with that premise completely. For the scripture tells us that when the rapture takes place, that uh, Satan is going to deceive these folks. He's going to send a strong delusion and they will believe a lie. They're not going to say, oh, look, the Christians were raptured out. They're, they were right. No, they're going to say, well, those, those Christians, they finally, they finally got what they deserved. Somehow, some way, 
karma ruled. You know, I do not believe that the opportunity will be available to someone who has heard the gospel message before the rapture and when the rapture takes place. I don't believe they'll have an opportunity to be saved after the rapture. That's my personal conviction, my belief. You say, what about all the millions that are going to be saved during the tribulation? You understand that about half the world's population has never heard the name Jesus Christ in their own tongue. There are billions of people yet to be evangelized who will be evangelized during the Great Tribulation with the 144,000 Jewish evangelists who are going to go out like the Apostle Paul and they're going to turn the world upside down. That's where all those tribulation saints are going to come from. But anyway, getting off track here. The condemnation that the world experienced, though be it a harsh one, was a reward for Noah because it vindicated his life, his faith, his message. The last of those three rewards was the commendation of his faith. So he prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Noah believed God, and God counted his faith as righteousness. He became an heir of God by faith. He believed God's warning about coming judgment, began to build the ark out of a godly fear and reverence for the Lord, believing that what God said would come true. We have heard the message of salvation we have learned somewhere along the way of the fact that man is born into this world in sin and is desperately in need of a Savior. There's not a person who has ever lived could, who could address his or her own sin condition and do anything to change it. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. To violate the law of God in one point is to violate the entire law and thus rendering us guilty before God and deserving of eternal judgment and separation from God. But thanks be to God, the message of redemption has gone out. Jesus Christ hung on Calvary's tree between heaven and earth and has given mankind hope. And the only way to experience that great gift of eternal life is to receive it by faith. Noah didn't build the ark so he would please God and find favor with God. Noah had already found favor with God and built the ark out of obedience to what the Lord had commanded him to do. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Everyone who has repented of his or her sin, everyone who has trusted in Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, has found grace in the eyes of the Lord, has been forgiven, and is now a part of the family of God. Thank the Lord. That is done through faith in the Lord. Not works. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Titus 3.7, Therefore, excuse me, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope in eternal life. God rewarded Noah by declaring him righteous in His sight. 
God rewards everyone who, who by faith comes to him and declares us righteous. Think about that. Therefore, being justified by faith, we are justified in the eyes of God. I've shared this with you before, but for for many, they illustrate that word by saying, well, justified means just if I'd never sinned. Well, that's an incomplete definition. For really, the word justification means just as if I were never a sinner. God sees me as his saint. He sees us as his children. And as such, we are joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. We are a part of the family of God. As though we had never been tainted by the filth of this world. As though we had never done anything to dishonor our Lord. As though we had never participated in anything in this life that would be displeasing to him and violate his word. No, God sees us righteous in his sight, for he sees us clothed in robes of righteousness. And he sees us that way as a result of us being washed, of our being washed in the blood of the Lamb. Galatians 2.16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For, that, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. That's why the scripture is so clear and so adamant and so unyielding in the matter of the just shall live by faith. Noah received three wonderful rewards as a result of walking by faith. He received the salvation of his family, the reward of the condemnation of the world, and the reward of the commendation of his faith. God looked at Noah and said, I'm pleased. Oh, to have the smile of God upon each one of us. What a blessing it is to know that we can look to him and by faith see our heavenly father and we look forward to the day when we will be with him. Our only hope is to believe God with a fearful, reverent, believing faith. That's not the case of those around us. And sad to say, it's going to get worse and worse. The Bible says in the last days, even the very elect shall be deceived. We see people turning away from the Lord in droves. Churches closing. Christians giving up on Christianity. People seeking satisfaction from the world or other religions or philosophies or ideologies. A number of years ago, the publishers of Red Book magazine hired one of their top, hired a top pollster in the nation to survey a full representation of seminaries in America. These seminaries are supposedly preparing men for Christian service in Protestant churches. Here are some of the results of these ministers of tomorrow. 
56% of them rejected the virgin birth. 54% of them rejected the idea of the bodily resurrection of Christ from the grave. 71% of them said they didn't believe in life after death. And 98% of them rejected the idea that Jesus Christ will personally return to the earth. What are we doing? Sending men into churches and yet they are nothing more than wolves in sheep's clothing who are going to lead people astray. That's why I say Christianity's in trouble. Oh, Christianity, you know, that's, you know, it's not going to fail. But many of the advocates of Christianity are doing much to harm it. How sad that many people today are sitting under the sound of the voice of a pastor, a minister, a cleric, and they're being told that all they need to do is live a good life, be good to their neighbors, be an honorable person, and God will be pleased with them. Beloved, these folks are being lied to. They're sitting before false prophets, false teachers. They're being led astray like sheep to the slaughter. How we, as true Bible-believing Christians, need to be a voice like John the Baptist crying in the wilderness, declaring, thus saith the Lord. Noah, Noah did that for 120 years and had no converts to show for it. The proof of the pudding is not in the results. The proof of the pudding is in the heart of the believer who chooses to live for God and when they come to the end of the road, like the Apostle Paul can say, I fought a good fight, I finished my course, I kept the faith. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. How about you?